Are you listening to this episode on Himalaya? If so, congratulations, because you're already using the best new podcast app out there. If you're not, you're missing out. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya is designed with you in mind and has a ton of cool features like curated, shareable playlists and collections made just for you. Aww. Along with personalized recommendations to help with content discovery. And the best part is, it's super easy to use! Exclamation point. It's definitely my favorite listening app, and I'm sure it'll be yours, too. Uh, so do yourself a favor, download Himalaya today, and be sure to follow Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries once you're there. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 144 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Thursday, June 13, 2019. It has been three years since we've started this podcast. And we have grown exponentially, exceeding all expectations every single year, thanks to you and the technology of L. Ron Hubbard. David Miscavige, get out of here. Sorry, guys. Josh here. Welcome to the three-year anniversary of the Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries podcast, with me, Josh Cannon, and my co-host, the one who's been there through thick and thin, the one who's had to sleep on the couch every now and then because he's, he makes me mad, Mike Brown. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing great. Um, it's uh, been a absolute pleasure and an honor to do this podcast with you. Um, it's one of those things that... Uh, I definitely look forward to every week, and it's something that um, definitely means a lot to me. And the fact that both of us have stuck with this for so long, I think, is you know, is a good testament to to the type of you know people we are and our character and so on and so forth. So um, we hope to bring you, the listener, um, many more hours of entertainment. And uh, as long as there are still murder cases or unexplained <laughs> cases that we can discuss or talk about, we're going to still be doing this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, I, I've this podcast has been like one of the only constants in my life for the last three years. Like no matter what happens, it's like I always seem we always seem to get together and chat once a week for a few hours about really unfortunate sides of humanity. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that says about our friendship, but <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like it's crazy. Cause I think about you, Mike and a, I've never met you and B like, I talk to you more regularly and more consistently than I do. Probably 90% of the people in my life. Like there's not many people that every week I, basically call them and we have like a two hour long conversation. Yeah. I mean, I don't even talk to my own father that many times. Yeah. Like the know? only other person I talk to more consistently would probably be my bandmate, Stephanie, yeah, Stephanie. Yeah. Um, or maybe my friend Trey, but, mm -hmm. um, yeah, the, 
I talk to you more than I talk to my mom. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's really cool. And yeah, I mean, I I feel like this wouldn't work if if neither one of us weren't just a little, you know, mentally uh, peculiar in certain ways. <laughs> Mike has yeah. both me and Mike, I feel like have these kind of obsessive drives to just kind of keep pushing ahead in things mike's been doing youtube for what 12 years now yeah yeah it's a long time yeah, yeah. and like you've I, and you can search through mike's history of his videos he's been consistently putting out videos for that entire fucking time <laughs> so he has a dedication to in a maybe a stubbornness some might call it to just keep pushing ahead and that same quality transferred into the podcast i happen to have that quality too so it's like no matter what's going down, we're both like, all right, when can you do the podcast this week? And we just get on here and make it happen. Now, I will certainly yep. say the fan response from Dave oh, one. that's definitely helped. That's 100%. definitely helped. I mean, knowing that, don't think at any point we underappreciate anybody uh, who took the time out to say, Hey, just want to let you guys know that you helped me through my work week or, yeah, you know, that's, that's big. That, yeah. That's huge, man. Like, that's why I wanted to get into art to begin with is I wanted to change people's lives for the better. I wanted to help people, you know? And, well, I mean, I get, you know, I, every now and then I get comments like that on my YouTube channel and those mean a lot to me too. And that's another reason why I keep going on there is just for the small amount of people that enjoy what I do. And it, it, they, legitimately enjoy it it's not one of those things where like oh it's an occasional thing or you know they ironically enjoy it or whatever right they actually enjoy what i do and when people say you know you help me get through my you know night shift you know that that's that's that means a lot to me yeah whether it's from my youtube channel or with this podcast and i haven't gotten it from the youtube channel yet because I, I don't i guess i haven't built enough of an audience on there but it, it well so when i make a video that's like an hour long you know that that helps people be able to kill some time better yeah i guess so. that's true but yeah i'm eating pancakes right now excuse me for my rudeness pancakes <laughs> yep now here's a trope from um our podcast mike bringing up a movie reference that i have no idea what he's referring to well, that's a extra, you know, yeah, that's a total trope and definitely something a lot of people who are listening to the podcast be like, okay, all right, what was that about? Um, it's just there. There's a scene in in uh, the movie Cabin Fever. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. There's this just random scene where there's this kid who just yells pancakes out of nowhere. It's such a random fucking scene. It's one of the most random scenes I can think of. The funny thing is, is I ha I, I did actually see that movie because it had Sean Hunter. Um, from Boy Meets World. I don't know what the uh -huh. actual actor's name is, but um, yeah, he was in that movie. And I remember thinking it was so weird seeing like this, you know, because that show was. was it's on like when I saw Alfonso Ribeiro Carlton in a, a horror film called Ticks, and he's trying to play like a tough, uh, kind of, kind of like a gang member type oh, of guy. God. <laughs> it's like i understand why actors would do something like that especially after Writer being strong okay yeah especially after being like cast as as such a specific character in like a sitcom or or something else like i could see because like uncle jesse from full house john stamos he did some 
dramatic movie role where was- he did some action he tried to be an action hero in 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 some films there's one called i think it's called too young to die and it was before he was on full house and he actually was co-starring along with gene simmons who was playing like this villain who would like dress and drag oh God. it's like a late 80s movie yeah but even like i think full house took a break or something he did this one movie and he was trying to look all like gothy and Brandon Lee, you know, he had the crow yeah. vibe going on and it just doesn't work for some people. It's like you just, you get tight. It's like when Richard Grieco tried to do that and no. <laughs> yeah, you get typecast too hard as like the lovable or the dorky or the what, you know. I will say somebody who really broke out of typecasting though is Keanu Reeves. Yeah. I mean, think about where his career started. Yeah. Was, Whoa, dude, excellent to Matrix and now John Wick. I would say the same for Mark Wahlberg. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, going from Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, where like he literally like acted. got good vibrations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like he literally uh, acted like he was like a black dude, like in his interviews, and she'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, I know what I'm saying blah blah this that and the other, speaking all whatever, not." Not the, his crackery ass that he is. He's all like, yeah, you don't want to be gangster. Yeah. Yeah. Try to be gangster. <laughs> like vanilla ice. Yeah. And, 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 you know, now he's all like, yeah, God, check out the happening. Now he's just Boston. Or the happening. What? Where he's just, <laughs> what? No. <laughs> you iron my lemon drink, boy. What? No. <laughs> yeah, man. Is the happening a good movie? What? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, three years, three long, hard, difficult, seemingly unending years with my co-host that um, I would be lying if I said that there weren't times I, I thought about killing him. <laughs> but I didn't act on that, you know, and that's the big difference between people who are in jail and people who aren't. You don't act uh, on the thoughts. Okay? Well, and speaking of, you know, people who act on thoughts like that, that ties into our only case we're going to cover for this week because uh, we're going to devote the rest of the time to you. To the fans, the listeners. You you could, you know what? You can be a listener and not be a fan. I think we have listeners who are not fans. They just listen. Oh, oh, I get that on my YouTube channel. I get people who, you know, give thumbs down on all my videos I upload and because they just, you know, they just don't like me for whatever reason. Because I dared to share an opinion on, on something that they liked that, and it wasn't the same as their opinion on it and I didn't like it. So they get all butthurt about it. Yeah. And post middle finger emojis and <laughs> insult my handwriting. Oh, God. <laughs> I think there's people who just literally want the entertainment and they don't care about any of the other, like joining the group or anything. Yeah, like exactly. That. And that and that's cool. Yeah, that's I totally understand those people. All right. So this is the case of Jerry ba- uh, Bowen. My bad. I almost said Bowen. Jerry Lee Bowen. Jerry Lee Bowen. This came about because Mike has been watching the uh, 12th season of Unsolved Mysteries on Amazon. And yeah, because I've been going backwards. And he has found that it is not as awful as uh, we might have said in the past. 
Yeah, no, I've been really surprised by the quality of this season so far. I'm like four, I'm like six episodes in or something. And every episode has had multiple cases I thought were interesting. And yes, in terms of production values, it's not nearly as high as the earlier seasons and the prime of the series. But the cases are still intriguing and they're still, still, uh, still something worth watching and stack despite his frail nature is still delivering with his commentary yeah they also got rid of the fog of unsolved mysteries in every scene that they had in the earlier yeah. ones the fog so they replaced it with uh like kind of overexposure because that's kind of what it it's a lot of shots were like back then like just a popular sort of cinematography technique in the early 2000s is like have like the white balance turned up a little bit uh more than normal so there's a little bit of that in some blurry shots and stuff like that that you see a lot in the reenactments they're also reusing stock footage from the earlier uh (laughs) earlier episodes like every time they talk about an exhumation and i've seen it like two times so far out of like six episodes they use stock footage from like the, the I think the first season where they had an actual ex- exhumation. Was oh, it? It's like the back plow digging up the grave. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, that's uh, I never I never noticed that. I never noticed they use that same stock footage every time. I mean, it's smart because who's gonna? And they got the early two thousands editing too. You know where they do the quick flash stuff, but it's not nearly as obnoxious as, the, as the Spike TV version. Yeah, as the Farina ones. God damn, those were so atrocious. <laughs> God, I can't believe they. I can't believe they tried to like pull that one over on Unsolved Mysteries fans. That garbage Spike TV abomination. And tried to pass that off as unsolved mysteries. It's like, how stupid do you think we That's are? That's why Josh and I are extremely leery of Netflix as unsolved mysteries. Like we've already been down this road already. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> see, they've learned so many lessons since then. Though I, I don't know, man. Uh, I think if I end up not liking Unsolved Mysteries now, the new one that's coming to Netflix, I think it'll be more because I just... They're not going to have a host. Well, I just don't think I'll... not Robert Stack. I don't think I'll like the tonal direction or just the concept. I I think I'll like it for better reasons than the editing and the whole concept of just stripping Stack from it and replacing it with Farina. Um, I think I'll like Uh it for more noble reasons than that because... (laughs) You know those those. Were- I'm still I'm still really on the fence about it because you know of what previously happened with the last unsolved mysteries. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. It's like but that's a topic for another yeah another time. I know that's not something that our fans have been you know vocal about. Is, you know, some of our fans anyway, uh, with tangents, just driving, drifting off. You know into the side of the road well on twitter they posted uh <laughs> somebody posted a scene sorry someone posted a scene from um the new unsolved mysteries it's like just a screen oh. yeah it's like a dark like woods it's like a shot of the woods but it's like all dark and like ominous looking. okay yeah all right yeah twitter's useful sometimes that's a good start my guess is gonna is gonna air maybe in October or something. I don't know. They just posted the screenshot. The fact that you got a screenshot is a good sign. They're probably getting. They probably have already started the shoot. Um, 
anyway, so this is the case of Jerry Lee Bowen. And I saw this case on one of the season 12 episodes. I thought it would be a good one to cover. Josh ended up watching it and really liked it. So I fell in love with it. So much so that uh, you're allergic. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I'm allergic to this guy's bullshit. Which is uh, which is kind of another trope of our podcast, me yeah. sneezing and Mike saying I'm allergic to bullshit, or Mike sneezing saying he's allergic. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Jeez. All right now, brain. If you don't want a <laughs> fist in your nose, you better stop making me sneeze. <laughs> yes, I won't be procreating, don't worry. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Brenda Breckenridge, 47, and Jerry Bowen, 50, had been married for 19 years and had two children. However, in 1995, Jerry had an affair and the two divorced. With the help of a divorce attorney, the two separated on good terms. Brenda ended up with their home in real estate in rural Alabama, while Jerry received an apartment just 100 feet from their main home. That thing, that aspect of it is quite puzzling to me. Like, if you're getting divorced, your your husband is the reason why you're getting a divorce because he had an affair with some other woman. Why would you want him on your property or even remotely that close to your property? Yeah, and like, why isn't he just living with the other woman or being with the other woman? Yeah, exactly. Like, that's so random. It's like, like, what, did he just want to hit it and quit it and then just be like, yep, got that out of my system. Now, I mean... When you at least lie about that or something, uh, if you're going to be if you're going to be truthful about that, then go be with the other woman. But if you're yeah. oh, but if your only plan was to have sex with another woman and not be with her, then just don't tell your wife about it. Because what ended up happening? You gave her the the estate and money yeah he yeah he gave her the bulk of their assets yeah what for 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 a a one night stand i mean i don't i I, that okay but whatever that's not the main focus of this story but that just kind of baffles me um so yeah he also gave him the bulk of his assets Uh, On January 28th, 1997, two years after the divorce, Brenda Brenda mysteriously vanished from their home. Two friends came to check check on her after she failed to show up for a prayer meeting earlier that morning. Her clothes were laid out on the bed as if she was about to change into it after taking a shower. Her jewelry was laid out on a dresser. Finally, her curling iron was on in the bathroom. As investigators searched the Bowen home, one of them talked to Jerry. The detective hoped that Brenda was, quote, on a beach somewhere and would turn up alive. That was kind of a weird thing that the detective said. Hopefully she's on a beach somewhere. However, Jerry immediately said that he was wrong and that Brenda was dead. When the detective asked him where he thought they could find Brenda, he said that she would be found, quote, in the water somewhere. Now, 
this reenactment just shows how brazen this guy is. Like it, it, it's and that the actor who plays Jerry does a really good job too. Did you think he did Which a good the, job? I thought he I thought he was a little uh I thought he was a little extra as the kids say. Eh, I thought he was fine. I thought he did a pretty good job for what he was asked to do. Supposed to be this sort of creepy uh older man who shows up at the crime scene and is saying incriminating things. I thought he did a good job. With, with that particular my, aspect. Uh, my problem with the <clears throat> his acting was during the scene where... So they don't mention this in the wiki, I hear, but um, as, as kind of time went on with him pretty much living behind their house in that apartment or whatever, um, he kind of started falling on financial hard times. And... Uh, I guess to avoid paying alimony to Brenda because his ass was broke at this point, uh, he wanted to get back with her just on paper, not a- yeah. not actually yeah. be back with her. But in his words, it's just a business deal. Uh-huh. And she, you know, it, and from her perspective is like, why would I do that? What? How would that benefit me? You're, I'm all. That would only be helping you out. So she's probably being like a little, like you know, spiteful too, because it's like uh, you. She'd probably just be like, "Bitch, please." Yeah, like you fucking had enough. (laughs) You slept with some bitch, and you know now you decided to give me almost all of our assets. Fuck you. Spy her attitude. So she's like, "I, I don't know. I don't know Jerry and the reenactment. I don't know, Jerry. I just don't know about it. And he's like, he's like, you know, come on. It's just a business deal. She's like, can we talk about this in the morning? Which I doubt that's what they actually said. But, yeah. you know, Unsolved Mysteries has to write some kind of generic uh-huh. dialogue that doesn't that doesn't give away the plot too much. She's like, can we uh-huh. just talk about this in the morning? And Jerry's just like, he's just like standing there all intense. He's like, so you're not going to help me? And she's like, let's just talk about this in the morning. And then he like kind of huffs off and he's like, he's like, um, I don't know. He said something like, you'll be hearing from my attorney or something like that. Yeah, my lawyer. My yeah. lawyer. I just thought, it, I just thought he was so extra for like, I, well, that is, you know, I think the problem with that is the lines of dialogue the actor was given. It's kind of hard for anyone to really pull the, that particular uh, series of lines off. And make it sound like it's believable because it sounds so off in terms of when you compare it to like normal regular speech. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I mean, I'm sure people have said it before, but like, how many times does somebody honestly say in real life, "You'll be hearing from my attorney"? Like, that seems like kind of like a cartoony TV show line that yeah, people yeah. don't really actually say all that much in real life. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, so I don't know. The, his his. Yeah. But I mean, the whole thing where he just pops up at you know this the scene of where the the car is found and he's uh, you know, yeah, yeah. So that happens later because yeah. like actually the detective asks him where he thought they could find Brenda and then he's already like, she would she could uh you know he says you know she she's gonna be found in the water somewhere. It's like, and that's another thing. Like, and I've said this a million times, but. In some murder cases, the police are ripping up swatches of carpet and pouring luminol on the floor to, to see some fucking dried up blood in the black light. And then in cases like these, 
The dude's like, she's dead and you'll find her in the water somewhere. And the detective's like, okay, have a nice day, sir. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck, dude? I don't understand the inconsistency in police work in these cases. Yeah. That would totally be like, it, it, that should automatically be, okay, this guy is prime suspect. He's the prime suspect. This is this is the number I one mean, suspect for her the, murder. <laughs> like I don't know what the definition of a confession is, but that's yeah. got to be pretty damn close. I mean, because I wouldn't, I wouldn't be saying like, oh, where, where do you think that she would be found? You know. Okay, you know, let's just the detective, because the detective starts out. He says he hopes that Brenda was on a beach somewhere and would turn up alive, and then Jerry immediately is like, "You're wrong. She's dead, and she and she and she's gonna be found in the water somewhere." All right, let's just let's just say that I killed. Let's let's just say I killed Mike. All right, I buried him. My I buried him in my backyard. This has got to be the third or fourth time I've killed you on this podcast, <laughs> yeah, really. at least. But the cops show up. You know, the the car pulls into my yard. He comes out. You know, hey, how's it going, officer? Oh, good. Blah blah. blah. They do some investigation. Uh, they walk away. And I'm like, so uh, you know, what do you think? What do you think Mike is? And the cops like, I don't know, he's on the beach somewhere in some like old VHS tape thrift shop, thrift shop or something. And then I just literally say to the cop as he's walking away, "No, he's dead." <laughs> cop turns around, "Oh, well, well, where can we find him? You can find him buried in my backyard somewhere." <laughs> and the cops like, "Oh, okay. Well, we'll see. Bye." You know, it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, why would you not look more into that? So anyway, that same night, her, Brenda's car was found abandoned in a wooden area 43 miles away. Her purse, cell phone, and checkbooks were there. This made robbery an unlikely motive. Investigators felt that the car was placed there to throw them off. They also felt that it was suspicious that the car seat was pushed all the way back. Brenda was only 5'2", and according to her son, always kept the seat near the steering wheel. And yeah, I mean... If you're short like that, you you do. I mean, Stephanie, whenever she drives my car, I have to drive her car if we're going to an out-of-town show or something. Anytime I get into the car after she's been sitting in it, like, my fucking, the steering wheel is, like, all up on my body. Like, I'm so close to the damn steering wheel. So, yeah, like, if it was pushed all the way back, then, yeah, you would not be able to reach the pedals. Her ex-husband, Jerry, suspiciously, after her disappearance... He acted uh, suspiciously. Oh, okay. Um, Acted (laughs) suspiciously... Okay. Her (laughs) husband, Jerry, acted suspiciously after her disappearance and appeared at the site where her car was found. He did that, too. (laughs) Despite the fact that he knew his ex-wife's car, he asked investigators if uh, that was... The car that belonged to the woman that was missing? He was brought in for questioning by police. He showed no concern for her whereabouts and actually fell asleep. Yeah, he fell asleep. <laughs> I wish they had showed that that police ca- uh, uh, interrogation room footage of this motherfucker just nodding off. It's kind of hilarious in its own sick, demented way. He also repeatedly referred to her in the past tense. Without a body or enough evidence against him, he was released. Yeah, in the reenactment, they sh- they show the car just you know abandoned in this wooded area, and then he pops up like a like 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 a killer in a horror movie, you know, and like in one of those like thrillers where the killer is on the loose, and he 
he keeps showing up at the scene of the crime just and says some words and then leaves. <laughs> it reminds me of that Seinfeld episode where Elaine had the sidler guy at her office <laughs> yeah. and he would always sidle up to her and like it, they would just show Elaine and then the camera would pan over to the left and the guy would just be there smiling like it's kind of how this <laughs> scene was. It's like they're showing like all the people behind the police tape looking at the accident or whatever and then all of a sudden like the husband's just there with his fucking bald ass head. Um, so two months after she vanished, Brenda's body was recovered from the Coosa River. Authorities were unable to determine if Brenda died of suffocation or from drowning because her body was so badly decomposed. Jerry Bowen became the prime suspect in her death. The killer wrapped Brenda's body in bedsheets that matched the ones in her house. Her body was bound by rope with a bowline and slip knots. Slip knot. Which were favorite knot types of Jerry. I like how this guy is so white that he has favorite knot types. Types. <laughs> God. His son said that he always used that combination of knots. Uh, the rope ends were deliberately burnt. According to his son, Jerry always did this when he cut nylon rope. According to Brenda's father, James Breckenridge, Jerry was in financial trouble. Brenda told her parents shortly before her murder that Jerry had come to her saying that he was in trouble and that they needed to get back together. She told him that she needed to think about it. Uh, Jerry allegedly threatened to take her back to court. This occurred just four days before she vanished. Eventually, Jerry Lee Bowen was arrested and charged with Brenda's murder. Almost all of the evidence was circumstantial except for the fact that he could not account for his whereabouts prior to 9.30 a.m. on the morning of her disappearance. 29 witnesses testified against him at his trial. The evidence was enough to convince a jury of Bowen's guilt, and he was convicted of his ex-wife's murder in April 2000. But it doesn't end there, folks. While awaiting sentencing, he was released on bond. In June, just days before he would be sentenced, Bowen vanished. Local police and the FBI searched through Bowen's dwellings and found shocking internet activity that involved violent violence against women. In a six-month period, he had visited over 5,000 websites about violence towards women, hardcore pornography, and cannibalism. So this is a guy who, in his community, was considered to be a fairly upstanding guy uh, for the most part. Nobody in his family or nobody that knew him knew about this dark uh, aspect of, of his personality. And it didn't, it, it's, it's, it sounds like it's just made up. It's like the typical sort of like movie bad guy, but it's actually what reality is in this particular situation. In reality, he was doing the, going to these shady websites and enjoying these shady fucked up videos uh, in the comfort of his own room, uh, you know, with the doors locked and the blinds down and, you know, just being just this, it just really just, it's, it, this is the type of thing that somebody who is already sadistic is going to be into. So this guy is clearly a piece of work and it, it doesn't shock me at all that he would go to the lengths of killing his wife. Because look at all this other shit that he's into. I mean, the whole violence against women. Th See, my question is, is like, 
Were they talking about like a snuff film website or were they talking about like a BDSM website? Because there is a big difference between uh, a fantasy type deal where a woman's tied up and getting, you know, spanked and beaten and all that. And she's into it and it's like an erotic thing versus like a snuff film where it's literally just like faces of death shit where like well faces of death <laughs> speaking of that i actually picked that up on blu-ray recently at a thrift store yeah it was actually at a thrift store and that's it's fakes of death the first one is it, you what you'd watch the trailer and you're like fake 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 uh <laughs> fake so f- for the faces of death is infamous but most of it is fake there are some things that are real but most of it is just the majority of that movie is fake. Uh, when it comes to simulated snuff films like August Underground, which I fucking hate, uh, that's closer to what I guess the reality of a snuff film would be, where a lot of it's just you know shot on a camcorder, shot on shittyo, uh, simulated acts of of horrible violence and sexual assault on uh, women. Yeah. So I mean, I. And then it's like saying the hardcore but cannibalism, though. Like that's, yeah. our, I mean, but then then though it's like, uh, I don't know, man. It's like I've all I say, all I know is I hope no one ever looks at my fucking internet history. I I get curious <laughs> about things. I get curious about shit. I have a a a thirst for knowledge. Why do people do certain things? You know, what is the motivation behind this, that, and the other? Do there, you end up going on the, the deep web sometimes and doing that? <laughs> I still don't know exactly what the deep web is or how to find it, but uh, yeah, I don't know. If anyone should watch the documentary about the deep web sometime then. Oh, yeah. I think it was directed by, was it, was it Alex Winters who did that one? I don't remember if he did that one or not. Yeah, but like, I don't know. I get, to me, none of that stuff is particularly damning. I mean, depends on what the violence towards I don't women know, thing. Cannibalism. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's just curious and, and, about it. I I, I don't know. Like, I mean, it, this wikia doesn't mention exactly what I think in the the actual episode. It said like extreme violence and these other things like that. Well, they were also saying so, that he had like a proclivity for pregnant women too. I mean, yeah, there's nothing exactly. nothing wrong with that. I mean, I can understand. It's kind of deviant. Kind of look mean, mike you know, we are not weird. here to kink shame okay <laughs> and i feel like these people are coming dangerously close to kink shaming <laughs> this poor man oh man um but yeah you know it's one of those salacious tidbits that everyone's like ooh, where they can act like they don't look at fucked up shit too you know they can like judge i don't i don't <laughs> i don't look at like the closest i get to cannibalism or anything like that is like the Italian cannibal movies that I've seen. Well, Mike, you are like a a fucking elevated, uh, pure white snowflake. Do you watch cannibal porn? <laughs> Is that what? <laughs> don't, don't worry about what I watch. I watch a bunch <laughs> of different things. I'm I'm a man of the world. I'm I'm here. I'm there. I'm, I'm a little bit everywhere. You know. I mean, you know. Speaking of Jerry, I was I was joking around with Josh earlier. Like, if this is like a Seinfeld thing, and Jerry Seinfeld would be like, "What's the deal? Like, what's wrong with looking at vi- you know violent cannibal porn? What's the deal with that? I get off on it. What's the deal with my wife <laughs> not wanting to remarry me so I don't have to pay the bitch alimony?" <laughs> 
What is the deal with me getting so turned on by these pregnant women? <clears throat> I actually, I actually, um, I don't know. I think pregnant women are kind of sexy, like with their big old stomach. Like, I don't know. All right, we're getting a little too, <laughs> we're getting a little too deep into Josh's sick, twisted ah, world. Yeah, it, yeah, I'm not even, yeah, okay. Anyway, um, so as a result of all this, he was captured in December of 2014. An Unsolved Mysteries viewer recognized Bowen as a man she knew as Steven Starbucks. Yeah, that's not a fake name at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Despite denying his identity, his fingerprints were checked and matched. He was arrested at his home in North Charleston, South Carolina. He admitted he admitted to purposely altering his fingerprints with acid. Ow. Ouch. He was returned to Alabama and given a life sentence for Brenda's murder. In 2005, he was convicted of identity theft. He will be eligible for parole in December of 2019. Life sentence for murder? 2019 parole? What does the life sentence even mean at that point? If you can be paroled, what, 14 years later? What the fuck? Yeah. So this dude might be out. Well, in December. I don't think so. Just because you're up for parole doesn't mean you're actually going to be paroled. <laughs> oh. It depends on how you act in jail and what you do in jail. If you're the model prisoner and you're taking a bunch of college classes and going to the library all the time, then I think you have a better... Or there's a psych evaluation and you fail it. Yeah. And yeah. How hard are those to, like, just, you know... Have you thought about killing anyone lately? No. No, I haven't. You know? Like... Uh, I mean, it's, See, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's like with Michael Swingo. Like, I, 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 I saw an update for that case again, and I'm just like, how the fuck did this guy get a, a license to practice medicine? There was no psych evaluations involved with that. I guarantee that guy would have given away his fucking proclivities and what he was into in a psych evaluation. I would like to go under a psych evaluation and see what they say about me. The answers probably wouldn't be favorable. <laughs> All right, so that was the case of Jerry Bowen. Uh, it was a really good case. Um, I, I feel like they did a, the reenactments well and all that. I recommend you go and check that out on Amazon Prime or Hulu or everywhere else, apparently. Like, that shit's all over the place Tubi. Tubi? I think it's on Tubi as well. The fuck is Tubi? <laughs> Why do they got to come up with the stupidest names for these places? Hulu, Tubi. Okay, so I only had two examples of stupid stuff, but whatever. You get what I'm saying. All right, folks. Now it's fan service time. Pluto. What? Pluto. That's another one. Pluto TV. Uh, that one's not so bad. Anyway, before I was interrupted by Michelle. Oh, by the way, I think it's... Uh, anyway, we'll get to that. This is fan service time. This is when we get on our hands and knees and lick your boots. That's what's going on. Why am I in such a sexually deviant yeah, mindset? I don't know, man. I don't. I'm, I apologize. Lord, I apologize. Oh, am I really going to quote a Larry the Cable guy? <laughs> Thank Jesus Christ. 
What's up, guys? It's that time again when we have to unfortunately interrupt your regularly scheduled programming to make some bucks via some advertising. And that is something new about this uh, particular anniversary episode is we actually have advertisers now. And that's got to be a good thing, right? That's got to be a sign of growth. You should be proud of us, people. Anyway, let me tell you about a company called Molecule, the only air purifier that actually destroys pollutants. Now, me being somebody with OCD and it, who is kind of a neat freak or clean freak, uh, this is definitely something that appealed to me. Uh, Molecule is a complete reinvention of the air purifier. It's not just an improvement on existing outdated technology. It was developed by a scientist whose son suffered from asthma and who was frustrated by the fact that HEPA air purifiers did not relieve his son's symptoms. As a result, Dr. Yogi Gaswami spent 20 years developing a completely new, totally effective way of removing indoor air pollutants. Dr. Gaswami, a distinguished professor and the director of the Clean Energy Research Center at the University of South Florida, developed PECO, or PECO, P-E-C-O, the technology behind Molecule. PECO actually destroys harmful pollutants like bacteria, viruses, mold, allergens, and airborne chemicals instead of just collecting some of them on a filter. Molecule makes this revolutionary technology available to consumers so that others can experience the life-changing effects of clean air. Why Molecule? Global air pollution is worsening at an ever-increasing rate. More than 80% of people living in urban areas that monitor air pollution are exposed to air quality that fails to meet the World Health Organization recommendations. Worst news is that indoor air can be up to five times worse than outdoor air, according to the EPA, and most of us spend around 90% of our time indoors. Today's pre predominant air purification technology, the HEPA filter, was invented during World War II, way back in the 1940s. These outdated filters try and trap pollutants, but only work on particles larger than 0.3 microns. Many harmful pollutants are much smaller than that. Even the larger pollutants that HEPA filters manage to trap are not destroyed. They live on the surface of the filter where they can grow and then be re-released back into the air you breathe. So, yeah, Molecule introduces a new breakthrough science that is finally capable of destroying air pollutants at a molecular level. One customer even said that she was able to breathe through her nose for the first time in 15 years. Molecule's technology has been personally effective and verified by science, but most importantly, it's been tested by real people. Molecule has already helped allergy and asthma sufferers around the country better cope with their conditions and significantly reduce their symptoms. For $75 off your first order, visit M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com and at checkout, enter U-U-M for Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. That's M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com. Molecule, but not spelt, you know, the normal way. .com and enter promo code U-U-M for $75 off your first order now back to the show um okay so we're gonna start with the auxiliary thanks here the email guys sorry about that i haven't had my coke zero Sneezing, yawning, yawning. Yep. <laughs> i'm the worst today folks blabbing about his sexual preferences yep and kinks <laughs> <laughs> and then mike shaming me on all of it <laughs> Which only turns me on more because I'm into humiliation as well. God! It never ends. Just don't say these things, Josh. Okay, here we go. Patrick Reeves. Uh, we were uh, we asked you to send us emails of things you just wanted to tell us. That was one way you could get it to us. And we got all of one email. So it turns out the group's a little bit more on the uh, interactive side. But that's okay. I love Patrick. Patrick's been an avid supporter of 
our band and the uh, podcast. By our band, I mean me and Stephanie, not me and Mike. Me and Mike have not started a band yet, but maybe <laughs> we will. Uh. Um. So he says, hey guys, I've been a listener since the beginning. Love the show and love how it has evolved from three segments on episode to news of the bazaar uh, all the way to now exploring everything unexplained. So yeah, basically what if you're new here, he's talking about in the early days, we used to do three segments per episode. Now we only do two and in this one, we'll only be doing one. Uh, two reasons for that. A, um, it was just a lot of work to cover three segments and B probably the biggest one is it took a shit ton of time to do that. And uh, yeah. I guess you could, and it's not just that, like if we kept that up, we would have ran out of segments a lot faster. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the third thing too. So we, to, we chose to pare it down and make our lives a little bit easier and more enjoyable by just doing two segments uh, then he said news of the bazaar. That was something that we used to do in like the mid period of the podcast where we, instead of doing a third unsolved mystery segment, uh, I would just find bizarre news on the internet and talk about the article. Uh, I don't really know why we stopped doing that. I don't know if people particularly liked it that much, but yeah, it just hasn't been done um for a while <laughs> don't know why but yeah news of the bazaar and um yeah and now finally we're exploring everything unexplained because um we haven't really scraped the bottom of the unsolved mysteries barrel as much as we thought we did but um i'm definitely starting to notice that when i'm watching season 12 so far like <laughs> yeah like there's there's there, i think we were just getting a little like we had both taken a break from the show and now that we're kind of both i guess watching it again we're finding oh we could talk about this we could talk about that i myself have like a list of four or five segments i'd like to talk about in the future since i've started watching it again so we haven't really scraped the bottom of the barrel it's but it's two two thirds of the way down i would say uh, so yeah that's why we started covering other things outside unsolved mysteries he goes on to say uh, have also become a pretty big fan of Dancing with Ghosts, got a shirt, have a sticker in my office at work, and have picked up all three releases. And for that, Patrick, you are the man. Thank you so much. I love it whenever I get a new notification on my phone telling me that someone has purchased one of my albums or a shirt or whatever. It just makes me feel validated as a human being. Uh, he said, would love to hear you guys devote a whole episode to D.B. Cooper, not the Unsolved segment but to covering a bevy of the theories and suspects or even looking at such bizarre cases as Kenny Veach, the guy who went missing in the desert that is all over YouTube. I don't know anything about that. Uh, lastly, it's been a while since we heard about Mike's toe and e <laughs> even longer since we got an update about the lawnmower man who tried to hustle Josh. Love the show. Look forward to it each week and hope it only continues to grow. Patrick Reeves. Oh, thanks, Patrick. So, Mike, your toe. Well, let's get an update. It, 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 it's it's fine. There's no problems at all. So, yeah. <laughs> Mike, do you think it would be too much to ask one day that we get a picture of the toe on the group? <laughs> uh, um, I, don't, uh... I think people would really like it. <laughs> it like the infamous toe. <laughs> Maybe. All right, well, I'm going to get... I already put a picture of my possum up in the group, so... 
So it's toe time for you, pally boy. <laughs> and as far as my crackhead lawnmower man who hustled me that one time and even interrupted one of my fucking podcasts, um, like in the middle of the podcast, is basically this guy who lived across the street who was squatting at his friend's house and... He knocked on my door one time and he's like, hey, man, I'll cut your lawn super cheap. And I was like, OK, how much? He's like, twenty dollars. I do the whole lawn. I make it look real nice. And I was like, all right, I'll have it under the door. You know, don't wake me up, please. You know, I, I sleep until late because I work nights or whatever. OK, I, no problem. So the next day I hear him in my backyard now, granted, my yard was a fucking jungle, but he never said, you know, oh, it depends on how long the grass is. He just he saw my yard and he told me how much. So whatever. And I hear a shitty ass lawnmower in in, in the, my backyard as I'm trying to sleep. It's just like like the whole time I'm thinking this bitch is going to sputter out at any moment. And so he does a yard and everything, and it looks okay. Like, it's uneven. There's some, like, blades of grass sticking up all over the place. Like, you can tell it's an old-ass blade, and it sucks. And this dude uh, knocks on my door uh, a few days later, and, like, he's wanting more money because he said my yard was a lot more intense and a lot crazier than what he thought it was. And he was wondering if I could, quote, help him out. I literally felt like a homeless person was like knock it, you know, had knocked on my door and was like trying to hit me up for money at this point. Um, and so I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't have it right now, but I'll get to you later. He woke me up for this, by the way. And basically, long story short, it was this whole cat and mouse game because I figured I was like, oh, I give him 10 more dollars and then we'll call it a day. And I kept trying to reach out to him and going over to the place and knock on the door. No one would ever fucking answer. And finally, I'm doing the podcast one day and he knocks on my door. And I'm so like mentally, I'm so annoyed at this point because I'm like, this guy could pop up at any time. It was driving me crazy because like he already proved that he could just walk over to my house anytime he wanted to and knock on my door. And I hate that shit. I like feeling like privacy. Stay out of my yard. Leave me the fuck alone. And the final time when this happened, uh, I gave the guy 10 bucks. I said, hey, we are done. OK, don't come into my yard ever again. All right. Do you understand? He said, oh, yeah, you do that. We go. Blah, 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 blah. So he walked away and never heard from him again. Thank God. And uh, eventually he moved out. And the neighbor who he was squatting with actually died of a heart attack. Um, so now a totally different person lives over there. She's like around the same age as me and is cool and not crazy. So yeah, that's how that, that's how that whole thing went down. So up next on our Twitter, which is, um, at, um, podcast, I want to say, yeah, no, it's at uncovering um at uncovering um If you want to follow us on Twitter, this is from Carmen Lyons. She goes, I would like to know if you or Mike would have met, Robert Stack, when he was alive, would you interview him on your podcast? What would you ask him? Mike, you filled this one. Uh, yeah, we definitely interview him. And I, and I think we've kind of, uh, haven't we gotten a question similar to that yes. before? Yes, we have. Um, 
And I think I said before, like I'd ask him about like any any fun stories that he has that he would want like to share from from the set, because I always like hearing those particular stories. Those are always the ones that I that I really enjoy hearing when it comes to from behind the scenes uh, and stuff like that. I, did did you mention maybe his thoughts on maybe stuff that he didn't really believe in or something? before like what would robert stack's uh honest unfiltered thoughts be on ghosts and ufos and bigfoot and stuff like that yeah something like that yeah i um i don't know i would ask him yeah pretty much like you know what what is what do you do? You know, what are your opinions or thoughts on the UFO stuff you've talked about on the show, on the ghost stuff? Have you seen any ghosts? Have you experienced anything paranormal? And then I'd just like to hear him talk about like kind of like how old school Hollywood uh, was in, in his experience, in his mind, like, you know, and how he viewed the world now and you know just kind of get his thoughts and then i'd show him my tattoo of him on me and and watch as he get got creeped out all right now we're going to move on to the facebook group and you can join the facebook group yourself if you'd like it is uh go to facebook and search um uncovering unexplained mysteries in the groups and it should pop up so yeah go and check that out so now we're going to read from the group. I asked that um, you post any stories, questions, comments, whatever, and me and Mike will go through them. Uh, we'll just go back and forth here like we always do. You ready, Mike? Yep. All right. So the first one is from Danielle Sampson Lamke. I actually know how to pronounce her last name now. Uh, she's been a longtime listener and she lives in Canada. And she says, guys, I just really enjoy you. Keep doing what you're doing because you make my days a lot more entertaining. Danielle, sorry, I just burped while I said your name. That has no bearing on what I feel about you or anything like that. So please don't take that personally. But um, you are awesome and super sweet. And um, I mean, all of our Canadian fans are amazing. So but yeah, thank you so much. And, you know, you're you're part of the reason why we keep doing this. Yep, one hundred percent. Zach uh, Lamana says, "Please do, the, please do the whole show as Beavis and Butthead." Um, I don't think, <laughs> I, I don't think Josh would want to do that. For one, it would just be a lot of work, right? Uh, In terms of like, <laughs> that would be like really hard and stuff. <sighs> it like uh, that. Could you like? pay me money or something <laughs> that would be cool <laughs> yeah uh, like maybe if you like uh, give us like some nachos or some like beer or something we could we could do that <laughs> yeah that would rule but uh <laughs> that's like too much work <laughs> yeah so that that's a perfect answer um I, I like it better like when it's just like sort of random you know appearances by those two yeah, you can never you can never predict when they're gonna come in, you know. But do what, 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 so like normally I'm functioning on a level of stupid, but when I need to be extra stupid, I really do have to channel Beavis and Butthead. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes with these cases, you have to channel an extra level of stupid because of some of these people. 
All right, next comes from one of our longer-time listeners, another fellow... Well, why am I saying fellow Canadian as if I'm Canadian? (laughs) Another Canadian who goes by the name of Corey Cameramans, and he said, got a story idea for you. Would like to hear the perspective of non-Canadians on this. And this says, Highway of Tears. Uh, Morgan chimes in and says, agree. Um... Well, we we don't have time to go through this right now, but I will definitely make a note of us to cover this in a future episode. How about that? Yeah, it does sound pretty Bookmark interesting. So it page. sounds like it'd be a good uh, good pick for a podcast. Cool, uh, I look forward Emmanuel, to that. Emmanuel uh, Kyle Viveret is next, and he says a simple shout-out would be amazing. And he even offers uh, what he would like us to say. So What's up, what's up Kyle? Kyle? <laughs> now, do do we do the whole um, drywall thing with this, or you know, I'm... what do you mean drywall? <laughs> have you not have you not heard have you not seen that meme going around on Facebook? No, Ka- uh, Kyle punches drywall. Oh, that fucking uh, the the one where it's the guy with with uh, the backwards hat and shit. Okay, now now I know what you're talking about. Yeah. What's up, Kyle? All right, moving on. We got <laughs> Jade Destiny, our, I don't want to say our only Swedish listener, because I know we have others, but uh, she is by far our most dedicated Swedish listener. She goes, do the whole podcast in Swedish. I will help you with the script. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, hold on a second. Let me go to Google Translate here. This The, the Swedes ought to get a kick out of this. All right, let me choose English. I'm going to say, what's, all right, I'm going to say, all right, what's up, everyone, and welcome to Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. All right, now let's translate that into Swedish, and I will butcher the fuck out of it, even though there is some German, Swedish and German are kind of, you know, like they kind of shake hands every now and then, it ain't going to be the same. So let me try this. Okay, vad handar alla och välkommen at avslovia afurklarliga mysteria. I don't know. Gave that a try. All right, Mike, you got the next one. <laughs> this is from Mary Ray. She says, love the podcast and look forward to seeing it every week. Um, I never watch Unsolved Mysteries, but I love how you guys go through the stories. Keep up the good work. Love the banter and the little oddities of your everyday life. Now, see, that's interesting. That that always blows my mind when someone who's never even seen the show is listening yeah. to our podcast. That's insane. But cool. They like us. They really, really like us. They really like us. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's awesome. Um... I mean, especially when we're saying stuff like, oh, and you got to see the reenactment. It's so corny when the actor does or says this. Like, I I feel like that would take me out of it if I was listening to a podcast. But I, we do a decent job trying to re- re- reenact that stuff, though, ourselves. Yeah, like I try to put you there, even if you can't actually see it. Um, like the recent one we did with the the um, the hippie guy. Oh, Ira Einhorn. You found what you found. <laughs> you found what you found, man. <laughs> Incense and peppermint. Blah, 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 blah. Whatever. Um, all right. The next one is from Brian Schott. He says, weird question. 
You guys actually meet in person, but only have one hour together. What do you do? Watch Unsolved Mysteries? Watch something else? Get coffee? Go bowling? Chit-chat about Mike's job? Well, I would hope we wouldn't do the same things that we do every week in the podcast. <laughs> you know, for the po- or for the podcast. I would, if Mike was here, I would probably take him to a place called Chamblin Bookmine Uptown. They have uh, used DVDs and VHS tapes. There's a, oh man, there's a lot of it sounds really cool. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of <laughs> books and stuff there too. Um, I like the title too, Bookmine. Yeah, oh, and the, like bookstore. It's book. Oh, mine. and it, it's a mind of books. it lives up to that title. If you go there, good God. <laughs> but I feel like there's just a lot. There'd be a lot of fodder for us to talk about. Yeah. Um, and if we, if we did meet in person, like we, we it wouldn't be just an hour. I highly doubt it. Like that that that's a scenario that probably wouldn't happen. Well, that's so that, if we that did was meet his, together. That was his hypothetical. But if that is a scenario, then yeah, that sounds like fun. Um, I don't know what I'd do if he come over here. Like maybe we'd go get something to eat. Like I don't know. Well, Mike, I'd have I a. I, I would about. assume I, I'd have a car so I could drive us places. Yeah, yeah. We could go. Um, we could go to the the baseball dugout and make out <laughs> like teenagers, and hopefully, and hopefully, not run into that guy with the ski mask and the the uh, machine gun like that. That one uh, case. Yeah, true. Um, all right, you got the next one, I believe. This is David Macedo, and he says, "Can I have a shout out so I can live forever in your podcast?" David, what what, what exactly do you want? David, I'm pretty sure we've shouted you out before, but we can again. Hey, shout out to David Macedo. The thing about David is uh, he 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 likes my band, so I like him a little bit more than the normal <laughs> the normal podcast listener. Uh, and that's just how it goes. My band is my child, so if you like my child, then I like you just a little more. Um, Are you being facetious here, or 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 like? genuine um it's kind of one of those sayings where you're being genuine but then you kind of catch yourself like uh you should probably backpedal on that a little bit (laughs) so i'm gonna say i'm being facetious um but yeah anyway what's up david macedo yeah this is a good time for the shout out too because our listens uh our listenership has been the highest ever like recently Mm -hmm. um so yeah, I think a, a good chunk of that is we've been covering more documentaries and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know what the cause is, but I'm not going to question it. So Mike Ferguson, actually, you're you're it's your, oh it's yeah, your that, that's right. Uh, Mike Ferguson says, "What's the one mystery you guys still can't believe is unsolved?" Hmm. We've been asked similar questions like this before too. Um. I think we've mentioned things like uh, like John F. Kennedy and other stuff like that. Well, that's the one like that we wanted. Mystery that w- we would want to be solved, like stuff that's not that we can't believe. Can't believe solved. it's not solved. Um, like I can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> um, that would take a bit. Like I, I would need to look at a list of cases because off the top of my head, I can't, I can't really come up with one. I remember the, the skunk ape uh, segment on Unsolved Mysteries, and they actually got, they found hair from a creature 
uh, in the uh-huh. in the upper branches that would have been yeah. too high for any normal animal, and uh-huh. they were sending the hair off to be tested. Um, and they they end the damn episode on a cliffhanger, which is not unusual for unsolved mysteries. But they yeah. And I'm reading it right here. It said, further DNA testing on the hairs was inconclusive. In 2000, a woman in Florida Mm -hmm. photographed an animal that had apparently been stealing apples from a basket. She believed the creature is either a skunk ape or orangutan that escaped from the zoo. However, the story could possibly been a hoax because the woman has never came forward. Instead, she told her story through a letter that came with the photographs, which are nicknamed the Mayaka photos. Oh, this is a terrifying picture (laughs) of a skunk ape. If this is real, but um, yeah, I can't believe uh, DNA testing of the hairs was inconclusive. Like, what you either uh-huh. know what it is or you don't. Like, but they said it was not synthetic. Like, what would be if it's inconclusive? That might mean they don't they don't have anything to compare it to. Yeah, meaning they they're not going to go out and say it is this other primate that we don't know about. They're not going to say that. They're just going to say oh, we don't know. Um, yeah. There, um, I would say Cindy James. That's one, uh, in terms of like everything, like that really truly knowing exactly precisely what went down, because there's a lot of things that that with that case that are kind of like, huh, um, and one that I saw recently about reincarnation, like blew my fucking mind, that there's all these like cases of kids when they're like three to seven years old or something, and they are talking about events in their uh, relatives lives that there's no way they could possibly know about them they're looking at like photos of grandparents and being like uh, in high school and being like that was me that's me and it it, it just blew my mind because i was just like what (laughs) why are we not talking about that more (laughs) about these kids that and there was like a study that was done like at a university about all this too like why? Why is this just just now something that I'm 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 discovering? Yeah, can you imagine that if you had a kid and the kid starts talking and the kid is talking about all these different things, speaking like an adult, saying things like when I was, you know, I used to change your diapers, you know, you'd be like, what? <laughs> yeah. All right, Mike, you got the next one. There's plenty of cases that, and, and, you know, maybe that's something we could do. Maybe look through uh, episodes of the series and look for the top cases that we personally uh, wish uh, would be solved or we can't believe are unsolved. So the next one is Jeremy Disbrow. He says it's a hypothetical question and all sexes with all preferences can play along. Just change the scenario to your fitting. Let's say there was this girl or guy that you always wanted to hook up with, but she always kept you in the bedeviled friend zone. But said girl wound up getting possessed by a demon, kind of like the exorcism of Emily Rose. And one of those demonic fits, she started yelling at you, fuck me, fuck me. What would you do? Uh, (laughs) I've seen the exorcist. I'm not touching that fucking pussy. I ain't getting anywhere near that pussy. Not, no. (laughs) 
They could, you know, it, it, it might be a wild ride, but then it also could end up with me being dead. So I, I'm not going to risk being dead and murdered by some possessed chick, no matter how hot she is. I mean, I, I was with, I, I've been with girls in the past who are on a lot of drugs and it's kind of the same effect. Like they're lucid and sober one minute, the next minute they're, they're like all crazy and wanting, wanting, um, you know, the touch of a man as, as it were. And, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, if it was like a legit demon, fuck no, I'm, I wouldn't do that. Um, I mean, this is a, that's, that's a funny question. That's what this is. That's what the scenario is. It's a demon, okay. you know, that's possessed and this, this woman. So uh, it's like, mm, like that one woman in that, uh, segment where she was like laughing crazily. Like, would you, oh God, you, uh, no, 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 hit no, that? no, 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 I would not. That would, that my, I would stay flaccid the whole time. I wouldn't even, <laughs> I wouldn't even be able to perform. It'd be too, it'd be, I would be too frightened. Um, but then again, it's like one of those things where like, you know, that Vogue or beauty magazine could write up like, have the most amazing sex of your life. If you ever get the chance to be around someone who's demon possessed and they're yelling, fuck me, fuck me. If you can actually muster up the gusto to have intercourse with them, you will have some of the most mind blowing orgasms of your life. Like, I don't know. It could be one of those things. Like, <laughs> if you actually did go through with it, it could be, like, really great. I don't know. Or or maybe you could get demon-possessed. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Through your ween hole. <laughs> it could go up into your body, and then you could get... Yeah. Um. So, yeah. That was a weird but funny kind <laughs> of thing. Jeremy also says he loves our podcast, and extra congrats to me. He says he can he can tell that I'm really trying not to interrupt. Thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> oh, Jeremy, I've just gotten better at editing. Mike still interrupts us pretty much the same amount. You just don't hear it as much on the final cut. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, hey, I've gotten a little bit better. Yeah, since, yeah since case in point, you interrupting me just then. Uh, well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's classical comedic uh, cavalcade going on over here. Up next, we got Mario Rios, who I know has been a longtime listener. Wasn't he? Um... He's a good friend of mine. Okay. I've known him for a long time. Yeah, because I thought, yeah, I figured he was a carryover from your YouTube channel or something. But he like he watches my stuff, too. So, Mario, you're awesome, no matter how you slice it. Uh, and I hope your date went good the other day. I asked everyone on the group uh, a few days ago what they were doing for their Saturday, and Mario was uh, going on a date, I believe. Uh, he says, keep up the good work, both together and individually. Question-wise, do you plan on doing more cryptid-related episodes like Anza, Beast of Gavodin, and spring Heel Jack? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm always down to do that. I, I just, to me, it's, like, helpful when there's actually, like, a visual, like, documentary or kind of thing on on that topic rather than mm -hmm. just like a wikipedia article um the visual stuff like engages me more like when unsolved mysteries did their episode on mothman it was so freaky and and gave me the i just watched that one again it's it's still a good episode but like you can tell they don't have the budget so i still i <laughs> sometimes those cheaper effects make it look scarier it's all what they do with the, the lighting and the shadow and all it can make a big difference. yeah but it, I don't know. It just kind of looked like something they bought at Party City. 
Over Mike, like don't you fucking or, ruin or, or Mothman Spirit for Halloween. me. It's like a pinata that they just hung outside the window. <laughs> Looks like one of the uh, Power Ranger enemies back in the day before he became big. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, like Zach, Trini, and all the others are just going to do like oh front God. flips out of nowhere and be like, it's time to take you down. Morphin time. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, Perfect. Yeah, but yeah, if there's so if there's someone needs to Photoshop Mothman and Power Rangers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then he like grows like uh like like twenty feet tall, and they have to fight the Megazord. They have to bring out the Megazord yeah. to fight Mothman. Uh, yeah. Uh, but no, if there's like any kind of documentary or visual thing. On one of those cryptids, if you could send it my way, it'd be a lot easier for us to cover those. But I just hate just like doing episodes based off of like articles, you know? It's just not as, it's not as like fun. So you weren't as into the Loch Ness one that we did then? Was that an article? Yeah, there were a lot of articles in Wikia stuff. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's not as, I don't know. It's just not as Uh fun. So the next one is from Matt Frazier, and this is actually a story. It says, I saw a UFO when I was 14. As soon as you say, I saw a UFO, I am automatically intrigued. My mom woke me up at around midnight one night in 1988. She was very animated and asked me to look out, out of the window with my telescope towards the east. There was a brightly colored object hovering over the horizon that was flashing different colors, red, blue, and green. Sometimes it would move up and down, and other times it would wink out of view, only to come back a minute or so later. As it happens, our local policeman lived opposite us. We phoned him, and he came over. He happened to be a keen stargazer. He bought, oh, he, he brought over some star charts and was able to ascertain that it was not a star or a planet. He called up two colleagues who came over and witnessed the object. They made a call to the aviation authorities and the RAF, both of which confirmed they had no aircraft in that area at the time. We were all asked if we officially wanted to report the sighting as a UFO. I wanted to, but only being 14, I was told it's best not to. None of the adults, including the police officers, wanted to make it official. The whole episode lasted around two hours, after which the object disappeared. I looked every night at the same time for two weeks and never came back. So, Matt, that's really a, a, a really intriguing and interesting uh, recollection that that you offered here and i'm really glad that you uh decided to share it with us and uh it brings up this interesting question to me uh that what if there are more ufo sightings than we think because of the fact that not all of them are reported oh that's definitely official that's definitely the case um a lot of people don't want to do it because they feel silly they feel embarrassed they feel like Nah, there's no way that could be a UFO. I'm just, you know, tripping, you know, whatever. But, um, I don't know. I, I like, I would, feel, I would be in that same position. Honestly, I would be like, I don't know if I want to. Like, I don't know if I would want to report it either because. I guess there, I, that that whole like. The stigma. Yeah, just, you know, because what if it ended up not being anything and everyone's like, oh, you dumbass, you know. But in this particular instance, he has some pretty concrete proof in my eyes that it was something at least unidentified. 
Yeah. Yeah. Good story, man. So if if I had that kind of confirmation with what was going on, I I would probably report that. And then I could be like, hey, you know what I did last night? I reported UFO sighting. <laughs> <laughs> like how? I like the gut, the life in your voice as you said that. Hey, you know what I did last night? <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to our 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 lovely um, unofficial third host of the Un- Uncovering Explained Mysteries podcast, Morgan, the the ubiquitous Morgan, who has been down since day one. She's been a one since day one. She has been just sweet, helpful. She's like one of the best people ever, honestly probably true uh she says i feel like i've asked so much and always gotten a good answer i honestly can't think of anything and then she goes other than that can i be first choice when you add a third host and as you already heard me say uh we've decided that you are the unofficial third host yeah so whenever we release a new podcast morgan feel free to uh add your own commentary as you listen to us uh talk just wait for any kind of break in the conversation and throw in, you know, whatever you want to say. And, um, you know, you're, you're the third host. Now, will anybody hear it? No, but you will have you'll you'll totally be involved. <laughs> and only Morgan's allowed to do that. Nobody else talk back at us when we're when we're. But wait, I mean, wouldn't everyone have the equal opportunity to do that? Wouldn't like all our fans be? They have the opportunity. They have the opportunity to do it, Mike. But I'm asking them not to, so it's an honor system. <laughs> oh, like the prison in Alien Three, which is, yeah, that was such a such a great idea. They, they operate on an honor system. Yeah, so only Morgan's allowed to talk <laughs> back at us as the podcast is playing because she is the unofficial third host. So the next uh, fan uh, who who shared uh, some questions is Heidi Eastman. She says, maybe talk about your fave episodes and you have done for the podcast. Um, I think we've been asked this before. One of mine is definitely our worst when we're talking about the worst segments. Oh, yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Um, I also really liked uh, the uh, interview that we had with the director of photography for Unsolved Mysteries. That was really cool. Um, and I, I also really did get a kick out of some of the ones that we've done fairly recently involving some of the cults and stuff like that. The Scientology episodes. Yeah, I would say, say pretty much the same for me. The worst, uh, the, the worst unsolved mysteries segments was a really fun one. Uh, and even the second one we did, that was still pretty good. Oh, we did a second one. I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Scientology one was a really big favorite of mine because I'm just really obsessed with Scientology. Um, as most of you got to break out your Miscavige impression, yeah. impression, yeah. and Elron <laughs> Hubbard. Um, but the Miscavige one was the most fun. Isn't the Moonpie Morris one another one that you're a big fan of? I would think. I so. just like that segment a lot, and I had been waiting <laughs> years to like have a platform where a lot of people listen for me to like really tear into this guy <laughs> and just talk about how much I hated his face and his his cavalier attitude towards the whole yeah. thing. I don't. I don't know why. I don't know why <laughs> the phone kept ringing. I just. 
I just let it ring. And I, I didn't want to take the polygraph test because I was unsure that the medication I was on at the time, that the the test would compensate for those factors with his big <laughs> fat moon pie face. God, I want to slap it. So that, so that ties into where she's saying, or come up with your favorite Mike and Josh moments. I mean, that's definitely favorite Josh moment, you know, is, 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 uh, the, yeah, uh, that was one of the early ones. Um, I, I think that would take us time and I, I don't know, like maybe she's speaking of maybe she says maybe a top 10 of Mike's dad jokes. That would take a lot of time because there's <laughs> yeah, so exactly. many. And would that be really worth it? I don't know. The podcast, as she said, this podcast is the best. Thanks for all the good stuff. Well, thank you for the kind and good words there. Well, Heidi. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to... You, you got the skeptic whistle. <laughs> That's, that was a favorite. Um, you got uh, that, that weird time where I would do songs after the podcast or in the middle of the podcast. Um, shit, what else? You got my voices that I do. Top moments for us. Um, oh, when we called the Unsolved Mysteries helpline or, or a tip line or whatever, and it was like some weird ass noise or lady on the on the other end or something. That was a that was a fun moment. I mean, everything else hasn't been fun. It's just been tedious and just <laughs> just been work. It's been work. It's been a hassle. Uh -huh. All right. No, no, it's been fun. Next, we got Josh Medura. Medura. Would you guys be willing to discuss the strange happenings of the legendary Route 66? I'll I didn't know there were strange happenings I, on I that did, I did not either. I knew it was a song. Apparently, you can get your kicks there. That was, that was kind of a dad joke. <laughs> also, perhaps an episode on ancient aliens. Oh, buddy. I did a whole YouTube video on ancient aliens. Yeah, he did. <laughs> dressed up like Giorgio Sokolos and everything. Um, I should post. That's one of my favorites of yours, actually. It, it's one it, of my just because of the editing and everything, and just I just crack up every time when you're playing Giorgio lifting up the alien head. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorites too. I'm really like annoyed that that video didn't do better. Like that's why, dude. Like YouTube discourages creativity. It really does. And it rewards, like, just run-of-the-mill, like, disposable bullshit. Like, drama drama channels and shit. Yeah. So, um, I hate to interrupt, but, like, I got, like, five, ten minutes at least, you know, at, at most. Oh, shit. So, um, <laughs> it's kind of... <laughs> okay, let's just run through the last of these real quick. Lightning speed. So, Kyle Janish, um, he's the next one to share, uh... A uh, well, let's go back to what Josh is saying. Route sixty six, maybe we'll look into it. Um, if there is some really strange happenings on Route sixty six, that might be make up for a pretty interesting uh, bit of the podcast or podcast itself. Ancient aliens depends. There's a lot of stuff with that that I just think is bullshit. So I don't know. Um, we'd have to do our own research. <laughs> determine which that show you know, cases that show was a lot of wishful thinking. Yes. So the next uh, fan is Kyle Janish. He said he's sharing a story. He says, I was up in Bonners Ferry, Idaho a couple years ago, and I saw what I believed to be Bigfoot. I didn't snap a pic because it was late and dark, but it didn't just sit right with me because I never saw a bear walk on two legs across the road before. 
But then again, I was also tired and driving. I didn't see it until I looked in my side mirror because I thought I saw some movement in my peripherals. I tapped the brakes to illuminate the back of my work van, and I saw something scurry across the road. I just kept trucking along. Hmm. Yeah. Well, they're out there, man. I wish, um... I wonder where where he was at. Well, bon Bonner's Ferry, Idaho. Okay, he's so yeah. so. If I just read the very first sentence, I would have. <laughs> God, I'm such an idiot sometimes. Thank you for that story, Kyle. So, all right, yeah, we're thanks. gonna rush through this. Helen Hurd says, "Josh, when will you watch Airplane? And have you ever thought of eating before the podcast?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm always bitching about how hungry I am at the end. The thing is, is. He did eat before this podcast. Yeah. He was eating some pancakes. Yeah, I like was literally finishing my last bite of pancake on like during the podcast. Um, I know I need to watch Airplane. I'm gonna put that. Yeah, that's a classic. I'm gonna Come put on. it up right now on my to do list. Watch Airplane. Surely you can't be serious if you haven't you haven't watched Airplane. I know it's got Robert Stack and everything. <laughs> I'm the worst. Um, <laughs> And she goes, Mike, if you could make a movie with any director, who would you pick? And we'll John Carpenter. John Carpenter. It's easy. Oh, okay, damn. Didn't even have to think about that one. <laughs> and will we have Halloween flames this year? No. <laughs> we will never have Halloween flames. This year. Damn, never. <laughs> Mike's like not even giving you a fucking window of possibility for Halloween flames. <laughs> That that reference came from what was it last year around Halloween where some chick came yep. into your store and was hassling you about uh ha mm -hmm. like fake Halloween flames. Yep. All right, next. Christian James Story says, uh, "Would you like to ever consider talking about the murder your uh, murder of Sylvia Likens? It's not an unsolved mystery, but it's a truly heartbreaking case. It also inspired the horror novel The Girl Next Door." Hmm. Maybe. We'll add it to the list. Definitely take a look at it. He also goes on to say, as far as for stories, uh, I only have two, and one of them was most likely a dream. <laughs> That's a good way to start out uh, a credible story. It was most likely a dream. Uh, I have a little plastic statue of Jesus. It used to belong to my dad. When I was about four or five years old, I was sitting up in bed at night, and this little Jesus statue was on a table across the room from my bed. And I swear I saw the thing moving across the table. Looking at it now, it was probably just a dream. My other story, I know for a fact, wasn't a dream because my aunt was there with me. My aunt's boyfriend has a house in upstate New York, and there are woods behind his house. One night, this was about 11 years ago, my aunt and I were in the backyard by a fire, and her boyfriend was inside. We both saw a bright light coming from the woods, maybe 10 or 15 feet away from us. It... Almost looked like daylight. It was so bright. The light came, then went away for a few seconds and came back. And then what happened, man? Then the butt probe. That's what. <laughs> so that's such a hacky alien thing to say now. Oh, did it probe you in the butt? Um, that's that's <laughs> freaky. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Uh, Richard Seeley, he's next. He says, what's one mystery you guys wish was solved? We already answered we that We all one. agreed on JFK. Um, I'm trying to remember if that, like, there was, like, this strip mall rapist guy. I'm, I'm wondering, I'm trying to remember if that was, was that solved. The I, I was that the I-4 guy? Well, there was that one, well, there was that one, but there was this other guy who would go around and just brutally rape these women in, like, in strip malls and stuff. And I don't... I don't. If I remember correctly, I don't think that case actually has been solved. 
So with that one, for sure, I wish that was solved for, for those poor women and, you know, for the victims of, of that monster. I would like to know who shot Tupac. Yeah. But that was never an Unsolved Mysteries case. Or or was it? I don't remember. <laughs> All right, up next we got the, the, uh, the rock of this group, Chris Rogers, the man who provides you with... God, sorry, I keep... I am, I am so sorry. You're bored? No, I don't know what I don't know what's up with all the <laughs> yawning. Um, Chris Rogers is the rock of the group. He provides you the things that that we can't talk about that a lot of people really enjoy. Uh, he says, "Would you guys consider talking about this case sometime?" There's a lot of German words for Josh to pronounce. I am already interested just based off of that. Looks like it's uh, Hinterkaffeck murders. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll have to look into that. Chris also mentions, uh, do you think David Parker Ray was responsible for the murder of Tara Calico? Um, I don't know. Got an article We'll look there. into that as yeah, well. we'll have to look into that for another day. And finally, Rob Wynn. One, are you going to do more live streams? I think there's only been one. You are correct, sir. <laughs> Two, who do you think would be a good host for the new Unsolved Mysteries that's coming to Netflix? Well, are we going to do more? <laughs> that's what i said you didn't even answer the question well i wanted to get both questions out of the way and then answer them yeah okay um are are we gonna do more live streams i don't know i guess that depends on our schedules i would like to do more yeah. that was a lot of fun and i would actually like to give people advance notice Hmm. we'll think about it and i feel like um keith morrison that creepy old skinny white guy from dateline would be be a good host for the new unsolved yeah, mysteries that, i think pick. someone like uh peter weller or lance henriksen would be would be a good choice they both have the the creepy look but they also really have the the voice that that i think you need to really take an unsolved mysteries revival to the the next level or or the stack level Right. Or close to it, at least. Anyway, uh, yeah, once again, thank you all for for uh, your questions and your stories and your kind words. Thanks for everything. Really appreciate yeah, that. I mean, we, I mean, if it wasn't for you guys, we probably would have stopped doing this a long time ago. Because, I mean, as, as dedicated as we are, I mean, if there was only yep. 10 listeners a week, I don't know if it would have been worth our time. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, but it's absolutely been worth our time for three years and we hope that it'll be worth your time for many more years to come. Yep. And with that said, Mike is a baller now with his fucking job. Um, So, yeah, he's got to go and do that. So um, with that being said, we'll see you guys next week. Yeah. See ya. So now we've come to the point in the podcast where I'm going to promote my band, Dancing with Ghosts. We are on Spotify and anywhere else that you want to stream music, so please give us a listen. And if you like what you hear, consider supporting our band. You can buy limited editions of our physical CDs and uh, t-shirts in the description to this podcast, and uh, we just appreciate you checking out the band and giving it a chance. And now here is a little clip of some of our music. Someone touch a tied up. As goes the night. I feel the slip in this abyss. Handcrafted cage, my skull. I cannot stand. You cannot stand. A glorious night.
group. I watched an episode of Bar Rescue last night, and there was a possum that showed up in the bar, and I immediately thought of you. Oh, God. All right, this is episode number one of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Sunday, June 5th, 2016. This intro was re-recorded to avoid copyright infringement, so I'm just going to jump right into the regularly scheduled program. Enjoy. And uh, this is kind of an idea I had that came up out of the blue because I was binge-watching old episodes and Unsolved Mysteries. I came across across this guy's channel and his video comparing the old show versus the new one, and I really liked it, and I, I actually thought, hey... It would be cool to have another person to talk about the show that likes it just about as much as I do. And so I asked him if he wanted to collaborate, and he uh, agreed, and the rest is history. Yes, so. and the video he's referring to is my uh, – un- it's uh, episode uh, s- uh, s- six, seven. Oh yeah, that man, I am like so – into my channel I'm, i i don't even know that my my episode <laughs> numberings anyway it's comparing the original unsolved mysteries hosted by robert stack to the 2008 revamp with dennis farina which was a uh, abomination of a revamp um and and that episode is what has gotten me my fame fortune and all my fleets of rolls royces so uh <laughs> i'm glad that he found that one and, and hit me up because uh this is my first youtube collaboration so i think uh, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah i'm i'm glad to be the first guy to collaborate with you uh i gotta say folks i don't usually don't you know pimp people out and stuff in my videos but uh i think he has a lot of good content that i think you guys should definitely check out and if you are a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, definitely check out uh, his video. So, uh, so I almost called you Jeff. Uh, you, you know, we can t- we can tell we know each other very well, and we're very you know we uh, we we're on a very much a first name basis. Uh, so, no, so Mike, I, uh, I know how I got into Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, everyone watching knows how they got into Unsolved Mysteries. How did you get into Unsolved Mysteries? I got into Unsolved Mysteries uh, through I think it was. But apart, uh, it was my aunt. She really liked the show, and I saw reruns that way. I think my mom and my grandmother also liked watching the show, like reruns on Lifetime. And But really, I think it was kind of one of those things where I really fell in love with it on my own because you know, it's late at night, there's nothing on, and I go, to late, I go to Lifetime, or it's in the middle of the... You know, they used to air, like, episode old episodes like back to back like early in the afternoon or something right wasn't it like an afternoon or in the morning yeah i believe thing? it was a, it was around noon or one because yeah. i remember eating a hot pocket every time yeah. i timed it to where like i would eat lunch right around when yeah. lifetime would show the reruns and yeah. they do some stuff like that on the weekends so i remember i remember sort of spending time off you know or you know it's good sick day stuff you know when yeah. you're sick home you're sick you know you're home from school no, it's nice, it's nice stuff to to watch for that, and and also I just I was really really interested in the unexplained and the unknown, and unsolved mysteries like fell into that sort of category, and because I I read all kinds of books on the top.